About three Sundays ago on May the 1st, we talked about small steps and astonishing things as we looked at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And if you'll remember, for those of you who, who were here then, uh, we actually read the story three times, the text three times, from three different perspectives, so that we could learn about small steps of obedience that can lead to astonishing things. We're going to do something similar tonight. We're going to look at our text a couple of times. I intended to do one other thing, uh, but I, I just, the more I've studied this, the I think I'll run out of time if I try to do the third thing I was going to do. So we're just going to look at the text from two different perspectives tonight. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to ask you to join me. I, I know I've just prayed, but I, I just sense the need asking the Lord to help me again. Father, I, I just pause and, and help me to focus. Help me, God, to teach your word, not based on the ideas that I have, but help me to teach the word that is before us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, give us insight, give us understanding. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I learned a new term this week I did not know existed. Uh, It it is actually a medical term if you look it up. This is not just something you find online somewhere. This is actually a medical term. And the term is touch starvation. Anybody ever heard of touch starvation? All right, one or two, three? Yeah, a few of you have. Um, Touch starvation is a condition that happens when you don't get as much physical touch as you used to or or as you feel like you need. And uh, you crave contact, physical contact, and interacting with people. And, And it's also known as touch deprivation, or there's a third name, skin hunger which I thought was kind of an odd name, but I'll just, I shouldn't tell you these things, but uh, my wife told me a long time ago, she said, you know, I just don't think your mama uh, touched you enough and hugged you enough <laughs> when, you, when you were growing up because I'm just a touchy-feely guy. I always want to hold her hand or rub her arm or pat her back or, you know, uh, hug her. And she said, I, I just don't think your mama did that enough when you... <laughs> So I know a little bit of touch starvation, it seems like, you know, not really, but uh, so this idea of maybe we don't get as much physical contact as we desire or as we need, and we have touch deprivation or skin hunger. Humans, here's the point, humans are wired to be touched from birth until the day we die. Our need for physical contact remains. It's interesting that in our world that we're living in now, Uh, one of the areas where people really experience touch starvation is in orphanages and also in nursing homes where they don't have the family come to visit them and they don't have that kind of physical contact. Um, COVID has escalated this a little bit, hasn't it? Do you remember in the middle of COVID where you couldn't visit your loved ones in the nursing home? And you'd see pictures of people who were, you know, outside the window of the, of the nursing facility trying to visit with mom or trying to visit with dad. But there's a plate of glass there. And there's no way to have physical contact with them. That's what we're talking about. Touch deprivation. Now, why is touch so important? 
Well, human touch is a large part of how we interact with one another. If you think about it, we, we shake hands with our coworkers, or we hug a loved one, or we high-five, or we fist bump and with friends. And basically, here's the idea, we bond through physical touch. We bond with others that way. Uh, you know, I, I told you about my experience, but I've got a grandson that, that's just an amazing little guy, but he's the most touchy-feely little kid I've ever seen. Uh, if he, I was holding him just the other day, and 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 whenever you're you're holding him, like watching TV, that's when, you know we typical guy we like to sit there with, with the he calls it the moat, the remote, well, moat moat TV, and he watching TV with with his papa, and he'll sit there in my recliner, and I'm holding him, and the whole time he's rubbing my hand or rubbing my arm, the whole time, or he'll pick up my hand and put it on his face, and want me to rub his face. See, his language, his love language, I think, is, is touch. Now, here's my point with all those illustrations. Imagine desiring that kind of human interaction, but no one is willing to touch you. Imagine desiring that kind of physical touch, and no one is allowed to touch you. What would it be like to experience that level of touch starvation. Well, in Luke chapter 5, we look at a story of a man who knew the loneliness of touch starvation. I want to talk to you tonight, if you're taking any kind of notes, you can put this as your title. I want to talk to you tonight about the touch that changes us. The touch that changes us. Last time we were in Luke chapter 5, three weeks ago, we looked at verses 1 through 11. Tonight I want to pick up at verse 12. And continue and look at a, another story. We're going to read this story, as I said, from two different perspectives. And first of all, I want to read this story from the perspective of the man who likely understood and experienced touch deprivation because of his disease called leprosy. So let's read the story beginning in verse 12. <clears throat> While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Let's just stop there for a moment. Trying to understand this story, first of all, from the perspective of this man who understood touch deprivation because he was a leper. Now, let me remind you that the writer of this gospel was a physician. Luke was a doctor, a physician by trade. And I want you to notice in verse 12 how he describes this man's leprosy. Can you give me a, a, a description based on verse 12 of how he describes this man's leprosy? Yeah, it doesn't just say that he had leprosy. Luke, being the physician that he is, he details the leprosy, that this man's body was covered with leprosy. He's the only gospel writer that tells us that. He's the only gospel writer that tells us about the extent of this man's disease. And the word covered, I looked it up, the word covered has the idea of literally full of. His body was literally full of leprosy. That is, you would be hard-pressed to find an area on his body that did not have leprosy on it. His body was full of leprosy. 
Now, you know, I'm sure, that leprosy had the reputation not only of being highly contagious, it was also considered to be a curse from God. In many ways, it was a fate as bad as death itself. It was virtually untreatable in that day, outside of the intervention of God himself. Now, in order for you to understand this man's touch deprivation or touch starvation, I want you to have in one side of your mind this idea that Luke says, Luke the physician describes him as his body was covered with leprosy. I want you to keep that filed away in your mind. And I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 13 describes for us uh, what leprosy was from a, a biblical and maybe a medical perspective. <clears throat> Leviticus Chapter 13. uh, Chapter 13 and chapter 14 really deal with leprosy. Uh, We're just going to have time to read the first 11 verses, but follow carefully. Remember, in in the book of Leviticus, God is giving his people some regulations, some laws to live by as they go into the promised land and live in this new world. And And it says in verse 13, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses and and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. So if you had this, what you feared was an infectious skin disease, your first response was not to go to the doctor. The doctor, there was no doctor that could help you with that. But your first response was to go to the priest because he was the one overseeing the community of faith. He was the one, he was the gatekeeper, if you will, deciding who is in the community and who is not in the community and what's best for the community. So you're supposed to go see Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. Verse 3. The priest is to examine the sore on his skin. And if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is an infectious skin disease. When the priest examines him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially, what church? Unclean. Don't forget that word. When the priest announces that you are unclean, from that moment on, you are an outcast in society. When the priest announces that death sentence almost, if you will. Not literally a death sentence, but it was when you were pronounced unclean, you lost your family. You lost your job. You lost any idea of community with anybody. Because the priest has looked at your body and described and declared you to be unclean. Now, Let me pause for a moment. Why was the priest doing that? Was the priest just trying to be mean? Trying to protect society, wasn't he? Trying to protect the people. Trying to protect this disease from spreading throughout the community he was responsible for. So let's keep reading. Um, Verse 4. If the spot on his skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has turned white, the priest is to put the infected person in isolation. Does that sound familiar? Now watch this. He's supposed to be in isolation for how many days? Seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine him, and if he sees that the sore is unchanged, and 
has not spread in the skin, he is to keep him in isolation for another seven days. Does that sound familiar? We've just, you guys had COVID, I've had COVID, and we were in isolation for five days. And then when, when it was, I was still testing positive, I had another five days of, of isolation. Isn't that interesting? Verse 6. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine him again. And if the sore has faded and has not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a rash. The man must wash his clothes and he'll be clean. But if the rash does spread in his skin, after he has shown himself to the priest to be pronounced clean, he must appear before the priest again. <laughs> You've got to have two negative tests, in other words. Verse 8, the priest is to examine him, and if the rash has spread in the skin, he shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infectious disease. Verse 9, when anyone has an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to the priest, and the priest is to examine him, and if there is any white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and if there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is what kind of a skin disease? Yeah, it's a chronic skin disease. And the priest shall pronounce him what, church? Watch this. He is not to put him in isolation because he's already unclean. No, no need to go through that formal period of seven days and seven days. You already know he's unclean. Now, it, um, leprosy, as you can imagine by reading this, and there's so much more we could read, but as you can imagine, leprosy was a terrifying disease and part of the reason it was so terrifying was because of the, so, the social rejection it implied and because of the devastating impact physically, emotionally, and spiritually it had on its victims. It was not just a disease where you physically were ill or in pain or something like that, but physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, it impacted every part of your life. Bible scholar William Barclay says, in the New Testament, there is no disease regarded with more terror and pity than leprosy. The leper was a man who was already dead in many ways, though he was still alive. And so, when we come to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we see what this meant for the leper. He could not participate with his family anymore. He could not live with his family anymore. He could not live in that society, in that village anymore. He, he could not participate in religious or social activities. Uh, he had the physical marks on his skin of the disease. He couldn't cover that. He couldn't act like it wasn't there. As I said, because of COVID, we better understand what this leper endured to some degree. I mean, we, no way we could fully understand that, but at the first sign of the leprosy, he was immediately quarantined outside the city. We looked at that. Uh, he's in isolation for seven days. But how, how the leper was treated is significant. And this is the reason I'm spending so much time here. How the leper was treated is significant. Did a little research and there was, there's the uh, Jewish teaching book called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, it has the teachings of several different rabbis. And the rabbis, their teaching on leprosy was kind of insightful and in many ways heartbreaking. One rabbi boasted that he had thrown rocks at a leper to drive him away. Now think about this. The rabbi in the Mishnah was actually bragging that the way he kept 
lepers away was to throw rocks at them. Also, another rabbi said in the Mishnah that the lepers, listen to this, I'm not making this up. In the Mishnah, the the rabbi said that the lepers were not permitted to come any closer than six feet. Does that sound familiar? And wherever wherever a leper went, he was required to wear a mask, a face covering. Is what it's called. He was required to cover the lower part of his face. So here is a leper, isolated, sometimes quarantined, can't get within six feet of anyone, and has to wear a mask or some kind of face covering, and he has to announce when people approach him in case they don't see his, in case his arms are covered or they don't see what's on his face, unclean! Unclean. Now, if you've had COVID, you probably felt that a little bit, right? You feel like, I just can't get around anybody? I mean, not nearly to that level. But if you've had COVID and you've isolated and, and, you, and all that kind of, you had to wear a mask and, and six feet and all that kind of thing, you understand a little bit what it means to be isolated from people, ostracized, if you will. And so let's go back to Leviticus chapter 13. I'll read two more verses, and then we're going to go back to Luke 5. Uh, In Leviticus chapter 13, this really is a description that kind of puts the nail in the coffin. Chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of his face, that's the mask. And cry out, unclean! Unclean, and as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. Watch this. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Now, I wanted you to take a little time to understand this perspective of this leper that we read about in Luke chapter 5. With that background, we can better understand this moving story. So if you will, go back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5 as we try to re-enter this story and understand it from the perspective of this leper, maybe with a little bit more understanding, a little bit more information now. Let's pick up the story in verse 12 again. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Here's what we read. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, if you mark your Bibles, I would underline that. If you are willing. You see, this leper did not doubt the power of Jesus, but he wasn't sure about Jesus' attitude towards a leper. The man wanted to become a person again. The man wanted to become a person again. He wanted to become a daddy again. He wanted to become a a son again. He wanted to become a husband again. I don't know his family relationships. But he wanted to become part of a community again. And 
He knew, he knew that Jesus could heal him. He really believed it. But the question was, would he? Would this rabbi, Jesus, throw stones at him too? Now, let me ask you a question. When this leper approached Jesus, that is, remember now, there's this regulation of six feet. When this rabbi approached Jesus, we, we're not told how close he got to Jesus, just that he approached him and he fell uh, on his face before him on the ground. But when he approached Jesus, what do you think the crowd did? What? They gasped. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? Huh? Stepped away, stepped back. Yeah, as long as they didn't touch him. They, they wouldn't dare have touched him. Do you think some of them maybe covered their, their mouth? In their minds, they knew that this man was physically and spiritually hazardous. And I use that word carefully. Physically and spiritually hazardous. That, that is, they knew that he was contagious. And they knew what would happen if they got leprosy too. And remember, visually, what they were looking at. Luke says his body was covered in leprosy. I would say to you tonight that this man had absolutely no hope except for his faith in Jesus. So he goes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, watch this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Nobody else can. But you can. I really believe that, Jesus. So if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now I want you to carefully note what happens next. Before the... This is so good, and I've studied this for three weeks now, and I still am fascinated by it. I want you to see what happens next. Here, get the context. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now watch this. Before, before the leper heard anything from Jesus, he felt something. Before he heard Jesus say a word, he felt something. Look at the text and tell me what he felt. In verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, let me remind you that if I'm reading the text correctly, the man did not see this coming. The reason I say that in verse 12, where is his eyes? In verse 12, where are the eyes looking? In the dirt. He's on his knees, his face is in the dirt, and he's crying out, God, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. And if I'm reading the text correctly, he's looking in the dirt. And before he hears anything, he feels something. Something he has not felt in maybe years. Human touch. The Bible doesn't say if Jesus touched his head or if he touched his back or his shoulder. But Jesus touched him. And it wasn't just 
human touch. I, I want to remind you that Jesus was and is 100% human and 100% God from the incarnation. So he wasn't just experiencing human touch, though that would have been amazing. He was experiencing the touch of God as well on his body. I've just tried to get into this man's shoes and feel, and feel that touch. I've just tried to figure out what would it be, what it'd be like to not have anybody touch you. And all of a sudden, you feel the touch of Jesus. And then he heard some words. After he felt the touch, he heard some words. And this man heard these words. I am willing. Be clean. Don't you know that must have been the most beautiful thing he had ever heard? I am willing. Be clean. In verse 13, how long did it take for the leprosy to get better? According to verse 13. What? The Bible says, at least in the NIV, and immediately the leprosy left him. I love that. Immediately the leprosy left him. And I wrote down in my notes, diseases obeyed Jesus just like the winds and the waves did. Immediately. The leprosy left him. In other words, get this in your mind. He's on the ground. He's on his knees. His face is in the dirt. And he's saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. And he feels the touch of Jesus on his back or his head or his shoulders. And, and Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. And when he, when he lifts his head and he opens his eyes, it's gone. Gone immediately. Leprosy left him. It wasn't like, well, you know, take this and in seven days you should start feeling better. Immediately. Watch this. In that moment, immediately, he became a different person. He was no longer the leper. Hello. He was no longer the leper. It's interesting, we don't have his name. He's not named. We don't know what his name was, but he was no longer the leper. Immediately, he was a different person. You see, here's what you need to remember. The touch that changes us is the touch of Jesus. Let me give you the first... I'm almost done here with the first thing. and uh, let, let, let me give you this, this application if you, will, if you want to write this down. You need to remember you have great value to God regardless of the condition your life might be in. Or the people that you know. Someone you work with. You have great value to God regardless of the condition your life might be in. You see, the brokenness of a person never affects their value in God's eyes. Churches need to remember that. The brokenness of a person never affects their value in God's eyes. 
Just because your life may be broken does not mean that you're worthless. Just because there may be issues in your heart or in your head or in your life does not mean that you're worthless. Not to Jesus. Do you remember the story of the lost things in Luke chapter 15? We don't have time to go there. But if you just run over to Luke chapter 15, there's three stories of three lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And the lostness of that item did not affect its value. The conclusion of each story is that there was a a celebration when that lost thing was found. And Jesus told that story in Luke chapter 15 to say, All people matter to God. All people do. And if somebody walks into this church and they don't smell like you smell or they don't wear what you wear or they don't look like what you look like, I want you to know something. They are of value to God. All people matter to God. And the sad thing is a lot of times broken people feel like they have to hide their brokenness. The more they struggle with sin, the more they believe that God doesn't love them. But if this story means anything, it means that no person is too disgusting for God to touch. And no person is too disgusting For God to change. I am willing. Be clean. Nobody is worthless. And nobody is hopeless. Now that's reading the story. From the perspective of the leper. We're going to read it a second time. And it's not going to take nearly as long this time. To do the second reading. We're going to read it again. This time we're going to read the same story. The same six verses. From the perspective of Jesus. So. I'm going to ask you some questions. As we read through the story. From Jesus' perspective. Verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns. We're not told what town. But while he was in one of the towns. By the way this was in his first Galilean preaching ministry. That is after he had began his His ministry, after he was baptized, he went to Galilee and he kind of did a tour of preaching in the upper Galilee region. And this was during that first tour of the Galilee. He did two actual tours during his earthly ministry, but this was the first one. So this was early in his ministry. Now, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, let me stop right there and ask you a question. When Jesus reached out to touch the leper, what do you think? Now, this is just speculation, so I just want to acknowledge this is not based on Scripture. This is speculation. We have to be careful about speculating. But still, it sometimes brings the story to life. When Jesus sees this leper, and he, this, this guy is covered in leprosy, and he falls in front of Jesus, and apparently either he got closer than six feet or Jesus stepped towards him. We're not sure, but it's hard to reach somebody from six feet away, right? So either this guy came running to Jesus and was closer than six feet, or Jesus steps towards him. But Luke 
mentions that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now here's my question. It's just speculation. But my question is this. When Jesus did that, what do you think the disciples thought? (laughs) Has he lost his mind? Yeah, we, we, we just started following this guy. Now he's going to be a leper. As he, again, this is just speculation, but I, I can see Peter in my mind, in my imagination. I can see Peter going, no! <laughs> you know, one of those slow motion kind of things. No! Peter was trying to stop him. Because he, he understood, if you touch him, it's over. If you touch him, we're going back to the fishing business. It's over. Okay, that, that's just speculation. But I want you to see something. Put your finger there in, in Luke. And I want you to go over to the, to the left. Find the Gospel of Mark, which is right next door. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> this story is found in three different Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark chapter 1 is... Mark's account of what happened. And I want you to read something that Mark tells us. Again, we're trying to read this story from the perspective of Jesus. And that's why this next text is so important. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Now here's the reason I want you to read this gospel account. Verse 41. Filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. So you tell me, why did Jesus reach out and touch this guy? Yeah. He was motivated. He was moved. Not just to stand there and talk to him. Not just to declare you're clean. He was moved, physically moved, filled with compassion. Matthew tells us, listen, the reason he reached out his hand was because his heart was filled with compassion. His heart was so full of compassion that his hand went out to the man. Now, um, Besides the fact that he was filled with compassion, is there another reason that Jesus touched the man? Go back to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 13. This is somewhat speculative, but I think it actually may be accurate. Jesus, verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. Notice the order of events here. He reached out, he, he didn't say, I'm willing, then touched him. But instead, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and then said, I'm willing. Be clean. I think one of the reasons Jesus touched him, besides the fact he was moved with compassion, was Jesus was demonstrating his willingness to help this man that others avoided. He was physically demonstrated his willingness. So rather than just saying, I'm willing, he demonstrated it. He touched him. And then he said, I'm willing. Now, the last thing on this scripture I want you to see is how both Luke and Matthew 
they make a point. They just they don't say it like in verse 13, Luke chapter 5. Luke doesn't say Jesus touched him. What does verse 13 say? Jesus did what? It doesn't just say he touched him. He reached out his hand and touched him. He reached out his hand and performed a miracle. Now, why would that be important? It it emphasizes two things. First of all, it, it emphasizes the intentionality. Jesus didn't just bump into him. Jesus deliberately, intentionally reached out his hand. And Luke tells us that he... He didn't just touch him, but he he reached out his hand to touch him, to perform a miracle. It demonstrates intentionality, but it also demonstrates power. That the way that he was touched was by the word of God. He said, be clean, but also by the touch of God. That the touch of God and the word of God came together and made him clean. That the power of God was demonstrated through this hand that reached out. Miracles happened. Miracles happened when Jesus reached out his hand. Now, the reason that's important, go real quickly uh, to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Peter, let me ask you a question before we read the text. Was Peter there that day when he saw Jesus reach out and touch this leper? More than likely he was. Not a trick question. Peter, one of the apostles, was was there following Jesus. He had just left the fishing business and he's standing there. And and so he's watching Jesus and And he's watching Jesus reach out his hand and touch this man and perform a miracle. So later, after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, the New Testament church is growing and Peter is one of the spokesmen. Peter is one of the preachers and he is arrested. And after he gets out of jail, he comes back to the church to tell them what's happened and how he was threatened and that the church is being threatened. And and so let me... Read the text, chapter 4. I need to get in the right chapter. Luke chapter, um, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They're praying about this uh, problem with the Sanhedrin and the, the opposition they're experiencing. And it says in verse 29, Now, Lord, Peter's praying. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Watch verse 30. Stretch out your hand. To heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Stretch out your hand. Peter was basically saying, I've seen you do it before. I remember what you did back there for that leper. The way you stretched out your hand and you announced that he was clean. Now Lord, I'm praying to you now. And Lord, will you do it again? Will you stretch out your hand and do another miracle? All right, I, I need to finish this up. Uh, I'm definitely pushing the boundaries here. So let's go, I'll finish with this. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 one more time. So we continue to look at this story through the lens of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus reached out his hand, verse 13, touched the man, I am willing, he said, be clean. 
And immediately the leprosy left him. Anybody here, uh, you're either serving in the medical field or you have served in the medical field? Nurse, all right. All right, several, several of you. You, you. you have served, all right. You are serving or you have served in the medical field. We all understand, especially in this day of COVID and everything, we know that contagion or disease is passed from the unclean to the clean. Right? That's why in, in the days of the Bible, lepers were avoided and isolated because contagion always passes from the unclean to the clean. And even today in the medical field, if you work in a hospital or doctor's office in the medical field, you know what uh, PPE is personal protective equipment, masks and gloves and goggles and gowns. Because you understand that the contagion, COVID, passes from the unclean, the sick, to the clean. But watch this. With Jesus, the cleanness passed from Him to the leper. It went just the opposite. It wasn't that the uncleanness went to the clean, Jesus, but it was just the opposite. The, the cleanness went from Jesus to the leper. Jesus said in verse 13, I am willing, be clean. It's a picture of what Jesus can do for every person. His cleanness is passed to us, or to say it another way, His righteousness is passed to us. And so I'll, I'll, I'll give you this this lesson, Jesus can change anybody's life. Even, watch this. Even the ones society has given up on. And we've got to close by this, one of the strangest things Jesus ever said. It's right there in verse 14. One of the strangest things Jesus he said in verse 13, and immediately the leprosy left him. Just pause there for a moment. If you look down and all of a sudden your skin is clean and you don't have leprosy anymore, how are you going to respond? We, we're going to get Baptocostal right there, right? We're going, to, we're going to be dancing and celebrating and praising the Lord. We're, we're just going to be very excited. Uh, we're, I'm convinced you're not just going to say, huh, how about that? I think you're just going to be extremely excited. And this is why it's so strange. Verse 14, Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Shh. Listen, listen. Don't you tell anybody. Isn't that strange? Don't tell anybody. It's not the first time he said that, by the way. Other places, when he's healed somebody, he, he, he would say to him, don't, don't tell anybody. Well, why? What does he say? Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Uh, I wish we had time to kind of dig into this, but let me give you four reasons why I think Jesus said don't tell anybody. I'm just going to give them to you. Write them down. We're not going to talk about them. First of all, one of the reasons Jesus said don't tell anybody was perhaps he did not want to be considered just a miracle worker. He didn't want to be known just as a miracle worker. Number two, it's very likely he did not want his teaching ministry hindered by too much publicity given to his healing ministry. He didn't want his teaching ministry hindered by his healing ministry. 
And in fact, that's exactly what happened in verse 15. Yet the news spread about him all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Mark chapter 1, verse 45. Mark describes it so well in his account. Let me just read that to you. Mark 1, 45 says this. After Jesus told this man not to tell anybody, it says in verse 45, Instead, he went out, the leper went out, and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, watch this, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. That's the reason he said don't tell anybody. It was hindering the work he was trying to do. Number three, he did not want his death to come prematurely. Every time, he, not every time he did a miracle, but throughout the Gospels, when he did a miracle, uh, often the religious leaders were against him. To the point that it built to a crescendo in, in John chapter 11 when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When everybody was celebrating, the religious leaders were not. In fact, it says in verse uh, I didn't write down the verse number, but John chapter 11, it says, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. From that day on, after Lazarus, everybody was celebrating, the religious leaders from that day on plotted to take his life. So he did not want his death to come prematurely. But number four, this is important. Number four is this. Jesus urged the man to follow the regulations of the Mosaic law so that he could be reinstated to society. So that he could be reinstated to society. I've taken the time to study uh, not just Leviticus 13, but Leviticus 14. God in his goodness and God in his grace prescribed in Leviticus 14, here's how you are reinstated. Here's how people can tell that you're different. Here's Here's what you need to do so that you get permission to go back home. And it is the touch of Jesus that changes all of us. And here's what I would say to you in closing. For anybody here, anybody watching online, here's what I would say to you. If you come to Him genuinely, repenting and asking for Him to change you, His answer will always be, I am willing. Be clean. It's a whole nother study, but really leprosy is a picture of what sin does in our lives. And Jesus is the one, the only one, who can touch us and heal us from our sin. And his answer is always, I am willing. Be thou clean. Well, it's a beautiful story. There's there's so much we could talk about. But let me just pray with you and thank the Lord for his touch that changes us. God... In the name of Jesus, we're grateful for this story. Not just a story, but really the account of a man whose life was ruined by leprosy. Just like our lives are often ruined by sin. But it is the touch of Jesus. The touch of His grace. The touch of His power. Moved with compassion. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. Thank you for the touch.
that changes us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Hey, I'm here if you want to talk about anything, okay? God bless.